Good afternoon. Is that Matthew? Yes, sir. Matthew, well, welcome to the Calgary Business Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. You know, this is uh, Matthew. This is it's May fourth, but this actually episode number one hundred and forty-one, which has no link to anything other than <laughs> we know where this. Actually, this is number forty, though, under the COVID uh, period. So, welcome, Matthew. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, thanks for having me. So, look, I, I wanted to, you know, introduce. This, I want you to introduce Zero Key because I, I, I kind of, I got into your website and I like, I got to stop because you need to share <laughs> this. You need to share that. There's a lot happening. So. Please uh, share, give us a little background, Matthew, to that uh, Zero Key. Sure, sure. Yeah, kind of the, the quick version. Um, so Zero Key is an industrial IoT company. Um, and our claim to fame, we developed a uh, pretty revolutionary sensor technology. Um, it allows you to do ultra high accuracy 3D location. Um, and, and, you know, the uh, what you're locating uh, is really up to the customer. But, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, it ends up being tools, it ends up being parts, uh, robots, forklifts, you name it, uh, in industrial environments. Um, and so our technology in a nutshell is you can think of it like GPS, but it works indoors and very, very precise. So, you know, down wow. to the military in terms well, of... Talking, uh, I mean, this is, this is, for me, I, used to, I worked in overseas for a long time, but recently with, a, you know, in a construction site, so spare parts and literally you know, that was a common thing. We, they couldn't find the EPC or the, the, the general contractors could never find the spare parts. Oh, we don't yeah. have the parts. So they were ordering all the time. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, you know, locating things, track and trace, big use case. Um, yeah. But really what we're finding is these dynamic environment scenarios where things are moving and they have to be coordinated um, and everyone has to be on the same page. Yeah. Uh, you know, traditionally this was, you had a foreman that, you know, kind of had, line of sight to everything that's going on sure now you can digitize it and bring it all into a digital system uh and and that's now your you know commanding control of your entire network but now you don't have to necessarily be on site or yeah. now you've got artificial intelligence that is understanding where things are and it's triggering certain sequences of events to to you know advance your process to the next stage so, I mean, it's really just opening the door for digital transformation in, in some of these industrial companies. Well, the, the words they call it a digital twin, but that's taking like, you know, yeah. what, what you saw, you know, real life. And then you, you it's digitized into the 3D format. But let's step back because you for any asset to be triggered by in, in a geolocator, indoor geolocator, you need a tag on it. You need an IoT. And I think that's your industrial Correct. IoT. You need so even the smallest part, isn't that going to get expensive? I'm just, I'm just putting that up there. Yeah, no, and that's a fair point. Um, you know, our technology, though, is fairly low cost. Uh, we've yeah. got versions of it uh, that are really no bigger than the size of a dime. And uh, they're, they're, you know, they get pretty cheap uh, in terms of cost. And once you get up to volume, we've got clients, they're actually attaching them to individual products in their supply chain. And you're talking hundreds of thousands right. of units. Um, and in this case, locating all of them. Now, obviously, you're not going to attach it to a stick of gum, uh, but you know, once you get up there in terms of uh, product cost, uh, sure. it becomes a pretty strong case for an R for ROI on on tracking things, uh, especially if you get to recycle and reuse the the sensors. Well, that's incredible because the sensors is fascinating itself. But because I look, I put in myself as this, I was a CFO of a, you know, they're in, in, in constructing this industrial plant. They spent billions, but when mm -hmm. you get down to 
the spare parts side and you got pumps and, you know, kind of some fairly large stuff. And, and, and they have 150 or more spare parts within that. So here's a pump, but there's all when you take it apart. So I could see that, you know, I, the amount of times that I put, I got the claims, you'd get the EPC, you know, the contractor goes, oh, we can't, we have to buy this part. It was endless. Mm-hmm. And when you're in, when your supply chain isn't as predictable, and today, maybe today's COVID era is, is even more vital. If your supply chain is disrupted, as it was when I was living in the Middle East, um, yeah, that can be very valuable. So that you know, going back to that side, because you, is it just the the, the smallness? Or the smallness. You, where's a better word? Not the smallness, but the. I mean, is the technology so, improved so much to make it more affordable, and you the cost of the cost of uh, scale or economies of yeah. scale? Yeah. So the the innovation really allows us to do a couple things. One is the the size or the form factor of the tracker, um, as I said, down to a dime. Yeah. Uh, but probably more important is the accuracy. So if you look in the market today, there's really two kind of competing classes of technology, one being Bluetooth and the other being ultra wideband. Um, Bluetooth is accurate to about plus minus one meter. So, you know, it's several orders of magnitude less accurate than ours. Um, right. Ultra wideband is accurate to about plus minus 15 centimeters. Uh, so in that case, about a hundredfold less accurate than ours. Uh, so the accuracy that we can achieve, especially when you've got things like autonomous uh, guided vehicles, autonomous forklifts, yeah. uh, robotics working alongside humans or cobots, if you will, um, all of these scenarios really demand high accuracy. You know, the, the difference between an autonomous forklift knocking over a rack full of product. Right, and- right going down an aisle perfectly is really just a matter of inches at, at, at the most. Um, so it's really driving a lot of those use cases where you, you need that high accuracy. Well, that's a great, you're right. I mean, you've hit on a point which you see autonomous vehicles really, and, and, and recently now is becoming more important because of the COVID, the touchless environment. Are you seeing a, a trend uh, recently because of COVID? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, our technology actually is being deployed right now to a COVID specific uh, use case. We're actually using our technology, not for location in this case, but for point to point ranging, um, which gets into some of the technical stuff of how our stuff works. But um, essentially we've got a little tag and now those tags, instead of referencing themselves to a building or to, to some infrastructure, it references it to other tags. So we're actually deploying right now um, tags for, uh, workers to use and wear while yep. they're going back to work, while we're starting up the factories and everyone's kind of staging their rollout. Um, and yep. this allows them to maintain that, you know, two meters of uh, separation. Exactly. Um, and then at the same time, for companies that want to do it, we're, we're collecting the data of, you know, your distance to the people around you. So when there is an infection that gets identified, you can go back and do contact tracing and say, okay, Jim was three meters away from oh, Joe. Right, right. And now we can isolate Joe instead of having to shut down the whole plant. So, you right. know, it's really- like the cargo, I mean, like the cargo plant, that could be very valuable. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, you know, a, a poster uh, example case for us. Um, you know, and we work pr- pr- uh, primarily in the automotive OEM world, but you've got yeah. factories that, in that case, have seventy five thousand workers now looking to get back into the back into the workforce and and working together in close quarters. You've got to find some way to maintain the social distancing and selectively 
capture the people that might be at high risk of exposure without shutting down the whole thing again because yeah. we got this second and third wave thing that everyone's talking about now i look this reminds me and i'm looking and i'm going to cheat i'm cheating here because i look back at you you posted something you were on the daily planet show or the mobile world congress is that something you did a couple yep. of years ago that's and right yeah and so that that looked a little bit for the benefit of the two listeners i mean that literally you were two years ago technology and i'm like I'm sure you advanced from that because you were sitting there and you're showing kind of your 3D where you were and how the sensors are working. And yep. now I'm sure you're actually sitting, you can actually see in a, in a 3D diagram, here's the, the, I'm thinking augmented reality. Is that, you, do you put that yeah, overlay? In? That's actually where we started. Um, and, and we still do a lot in augmented reality. As you mentioned, digital twinning um, yeah. is a, AR, VR is a big part of that. Uh, we do that a lot for our customers. Um, you know, what you saw in the, the Daily Planet uh, Discovery <laughs> Channel video there yeah. was essentially the very core of our technology. That was the breakthrough that kind of led to ZeroKey being the company is today. Um, now our system is obviously scaled up a lot more. What sure. you saw in that video was um, just a handful of nodes kind of on the floor. Yeah. Now we've got entire factories that are covered end to end with these things. And, and you're able to do that level of tracking that you saw in the video um, on hundreds of objects uh, within that factory. So you're talking like a torque wrench, a tool, you name it, and then you can do yeah. process tracking, optimization. I mean, it's the, the breakthrough since then, since that two-year point, hasn't been necessarily in the technology, in the core technology piece. It's been in the applied technology Putting piece. Putting it all and, together. Like and, the, I mean, that's right. like, that, super, like that, that Spider-Man movie where they're all the drones are flying around. Those are all sensors, right? I mean, is that... Yeah, like, it, well, it, you know, there's a variety of ways the drones do it. Um, yeah. Ultimately, yeah, you need sensors, uh, but there's, you know, numerous technologies in that space. And we're actually pretty active um, in the aerospace uh, industry right now, right. deploying our technology for, for a few different things. But um, yeah, it's, you know, and that's really how I tell, uh, explain it to people. I mean, we, we have kind of a core technology that, that broadly applies uh, to a number of different industries, whether it is you know, automotive manufacturing, uh, aerospace manufacturing, yeah. supply chain, AR, VR, digital twinning, process optimization. It's, you know, kind of a core technology that has its fingers in all of those different pots. So you, you mentioned one of your things, you said you're primarily in the, the OEMs or the, the original equipment manufacturer of, of vehicles. So that's, but that's like, are you talking about inside the warehouse as they produce the, and locating all the parts or is it on the vehicle itself? Uh, no, it, it's in the factory, yeah, um, okay. and it's mainly on the personnel, on the tools, and on the parts, yeah. so that you can digitize the assembly process, digitize the manufacturing, and then use that to both inform kind of your understanding of the process, uh, but also to, to trigger other dynamic uh, things that are happening in the environment. So just as an example, um, you might trigger a resupply of parts to the assembly line yeah. uh, based on one of your workers having just completed their their big assembly process that might be the trigger to say okay now this uh, robot autonomous uh, guided vehicle can dispatch to this station on the assembly line with yeah. its next batch of parts um, but really tip of the iceberg because after you digitize all that you can start to optimize even the human tracking of it the the human processes and say oh maybe it makes more sense for joe to work you know clockwise around the vehicle than it does yeah. counterclockwise and, and you know obviously you you can extrapolate from there the the complexity that you can achieve yeah that forklift I, I was 
Lily, so James McCarrow at the Calgary Food Bank, he was he was telling me how important that forklift. He says he's he's got the right of way. So it was, it was driven by an individual, but because we step back because that whole that whole process and that that's just that's just one dimension with the food. But I, I see, you know, and what you just said there is it really triggers a bigger where should people be moving back to your COVID-19. So, I mean, wow, you're just fine tuning even just all right. The forklift takes a left there and it's going to or right or spins around. Amazing. It's absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Well, and, and you apply it too to these large scale companies. I mean, that's predominantly where our market is. But, you know, when yeah. you when you talk about saving, uh, you know, single digit percentage points that, across operations that you know are into the billions of dollars it's a very big impact well you know one of my earlier podcast guests and i'm gonna just alex sulkin from he's got the the, i believe it's alex he started with the tech the sensors and he's working with a food company out of he went to indianapolis for a tech tech stars and i don't know if you know alex but i was fascinated was listening to him he said look I, i went there for one part of the sensors and i ended up doing this food processing the conveyor belt, literally the sensors tech detected the, the movement on the conveyor belt. And this mm-hmm. is food, massive food processing. And he said the carcinogens or whatever's coming off of the, the, the metal fragments were, were, were not, I don't know the word right is, is to say poisoning the food, but it was actually, it was causing the food to go bad and they didn't know why. And mm-hmm. his, his sensors, I'm like, I listen to you and I'm like, wow, you guys are just in, on this leading edge where the sensors got to that level where it says, all right, you need to adjust this conveyor belt because it's, ca- it's causing contaminants into the food supply. Anyway, so, wow. I'll yeah, you, I'll put you two together because I think you can talk sensors. You can talk sense to each yeah. other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. No, it's, you know, the industry 4.0 world is just uh, mind-boggling sometimes when you, when you see how AI and, and new sensor yeah. technologies and, and even even beyond just the tech side of it, but how people are thinking about building factories now um, it has changed just in the last five, 10 years, where, you know, historically it was very linear, you yeah. know, nothing had really changed from the Henry Ford days and, and now things are completely dynamic. You know, you've got workstations that one day did one subassembly and a different day are a totally different thing. Um, you know, it's, it's really been an amazing transformation over the last little bit and yeah. frankly, picking up speed. Well, it's incredible when you go back, cause you mentioned, and, and this is something I wanted to bring up because you mentioned the digitizing the manufacturing process, but what's, I think what's important. And I think it's on your website is that AI or the machine learning algorithm, that part of it. So the sensor is picking up data. I would imagine mm-hmm. you're, you're capturing that data to allow you to re- you know, to, to make that configuration, those changes, or maybe right. you can clarify that a little bit. Yeah, well, so the, the big thing is, when it comes to machine learning, it's very much a data in, data out problem. Right. Um, and, and in a lot of cases, what we try to do when we build machine learning models is, is try and tease out as much intelligence as we can. But if that intelligence just isn't represented in the data, oftentimes you get solutions that aren't scalable, or aren't practical in, in real uh, scenarios. Um, what we offer, being able to digitize kind of the 3D location of things to a very precise extent, um, does give you a data source that now does have a lot of intelligence behind it. It, you right. know, it tells you a certain person on your assembly line or in your warehouse is at a certain location, and it can tell you that location and how it's changed over time. So you can start to build 
kind of this contextual understanding of the physical objects in a given environment. And, and that really hasn't been possible before unless you're, you know, investing tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars into camera systems and, yeah. and all this stuff. Um, now you can actually do uh, a much better job with, you know, big. Oh, I've lost. Matthew? Matthew seems to have lost you there. Folks, we've heard, oh, wait, I lost, yeah, I lost you there for a second, Matthew. You might want to oh, repeat that. Am I back there? You're on, you're back on. Perfect. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, so I, what I was saying is, you know, what, that new data source um, really, I think, is going to drive a lot of new machine learning solutions. And, and you're really going to start to see this synergistic effect where, you know, the two technologies together produce a result that neither one could achieve on its own uh, that's better than, than either one. And that's, that's really where it gets interesting and where as this technology scales and uh, starts to get yeah. uh, mature in the industry, uh, you really get powerful solutions that are going to provide uh, strong ROI for clients. Well, you know, I look back when you, cause you're talking about a manufacturing that's already built, it's right processing. And I'm going back to my construction example, because I think it, it would set the stage, particular optimization of where you store. And maybe, as you said, forget the linear approach, maybe it's a little bit of vertical, horizontal and a mix and matching. Cause if you've got an awkward space, you know, when you're constructing that, do you, are you getting that, uh, you know, we, we, we'd like to get your sensors in that in terms of how to space better. I, I mean, maybe it's just not yeah. Maybe there's already tech. Maybe there's tech for that. There's use cases there, um, and we're actually yeah. working with some of the the bigger um, players in that space right now. Um, right. You know, there, there's a lot of value, and you'll see this in the AR VR world in terms of getting your as built um, as closely to match your drawings as possible. Um, and so, in a yeah. lot of cases, our technology can help that. I mean, you can think of it a lot like having kind of like a real time laser scanner for a lot of rooms because you know you can't really achieve the type of accuracy we can with any other technology than a than a laser scanner or a lidar um you know except yeah. that's really expensive and is really slow if you're gonna you know laser scan a place and they do it all the time for new builds um you gotta you gotta have a specialized crew come in they, they haul the thing around and then they process it. <laughs> is it like basket? What is it? Some kind of big laser? Yeah, it's just a spinning laser um, that, that builds a point yeah. cloud. Um, and it gives you a whole bunch of data in yeah. terms of where things are. Um, but, you know, yeah. oftentimes it takes you a week plus to get, get the answer back. But in our case, our wow. system, I mean, you could just do it in real time. And so that's uh, uh, one of the ways. Where but you could save in construction you could save a ton of money on okay first on spare parts but secondly on that the actual clashes potential clash because exactly to your point well they use this laser guided and then you know so the fire line is is clashing with the wire the the, the heating ventilation system the clashes and back to your point about design build to design they're literally they would the design would change because someone else changed it but it was incredible how manual that process was and this was i'm talking just last year a couple of years ago i was in the middle east yeah it's you know it, it's funny because that you know we're just starting to get into it but the space itself we're learning has been so uh rapidly innovated in lately um and, and in yeah. a way that really i think it was like two three years ago where a lot of this push started um it, it is really interesting and you know from our side the the uh our kind of approach is actually working with a couple uh, partners in that space that, you know, are pretty advanced in terms of some of the 
uh, solutions they bring to customers um, and really right. just seeing what is the lowest hanging fruit area where we can deploy our technology. Um, and, you know, one of them is, is sure. the, the as-built problem, as I mentioned. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there is benefits in terms of locating tools. I mean, unfortunately, tools walk off the job site all the time on their own. And, uh, um, you know, with, with the location technology built in, you can uh, start to do some interesting things around that, too. Well, I, can, I guess we could we could spend all day on that, but you you are an you are a serial entrepreneur, and I need to give I need to go back to your <laughs> roots because for for you like how many companies I've got, I count four no three so Helio Technology and Spire Tech you're like a serial entrepreneur I, I just you know you build on what, what was Helio doing what were you, is it similar sensors yeah so so Helio is technically the same entity as ZeroKey. Um, and, and what okay. we did in the initial days we did a lot of oil and gas uh, work. Um, yeah. doing 3D printing, uh, all sorts of engineering services, um, but mainly a service-oriented business. Um, and yeah. ZeroKey kind of came out of that. Uh, my business partner at Helio um, and I had a conversation one day. We had kind of this concept for what was the core technology for ZeroKey. Um, and yeah. both of us just kind of looked at each other and said, this is it. And so we put <laughs> all of our eggs in one basket, uh, so to speak. And... Um, transitioned into the, the zero key phase of the company. Um, so really the way I look at it, it, it is the same actual entity, but uh, zero key started sure. w- when that happened. Um, SpireTech was uh, one of my earlier uh, businesses, but mainly a consulting business. So I had been in the IT industry okay. for, for about 10 years at that point, um, you know, sure. worked at uh, a number of large companies uh, before doing the consulting gig. Um, had a lot of success at that, but just wasn't really triggering my, um, you know, accomplishment radar and uh, decided I needed to do something uh, a bit with a bit more um, uh, scale to it. So that's uh, when we uh, decided to jump into Helio. So when you, I mean, I'm going to jump back to, he, I'm going to jump back into zero key. So I, I just think of that VR, uh, do you have a VR or an AR augmented reality uh, set up that attaches to your data or no? Yes, or your, yes your absolutely. So so the story behind ZeroKey, and, um, you know, it might seem actually a little out of left field, and it, it was for us, and I'll, I'll, you'll understand why in a second. Um, ZeroKey yeah. was actually started as an AR VR company. Um, and the, the whole concept came, uh, actually, I was, it came from when my uh, eldest daughter was just born. Um, so she was a, yeah. a really colicky baby. And at the time I had Spire Tech uh, and I was doing some consulting work. And uh, the problem was though, that she always needed to be rocked. Uh, she was always crying and unless she was rocked, she wasn't happy. Uh, but at the same time yeah. I had deliverables on contracts. And, and the frustrating thing to me, you know, with a software development background was that I, I knew exactly the code that I had to get from my brain into the computer somehow, but I just didn't have free yeah. hands to, to sit down and type at the computer. Oh, and so I, you know, I, and right. I didn't even need a monitor. I mean, I, I could have just typed it blind. It, you know, that's, that's how well I knew what I had to get in. Um, and of right. course the deadlines are looming and they're and the clock is ticking away. Um, and so I, I thought, man, wouldn't it be great if I had, you know, like those gloves that, that Tom Cruise had from minority report or something <laughs> like that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. so I, I actually went to look at, in the market for this and I, and I was thinking, you know what, I can get one of those laser keyboards uh, that I, I've seen in, in, you know, magazines and stuff. Um, 
and as I got into it, I realized basically all of these types of technologies, these interface technologies were vaporware. Um, and, and that was uh, kind of disappointing, but also the reason I decided to, to launch Zero Key. Um, and so the idea was we would build a virtual keyboard or a keyboard with Zero Key. Wow. So that's the impetus behind the name too. Um, and what happened was as we started to do that uh, and we were trying to build this kind of 3D human machine interface, um, we realized that the real challenge isn't knowing where your fingers are when you're typing. Um, that's actually pretty easy. But the reason all of these things were vaporware was that locating your hand in 3D space uh, was very, very difficult to a high degree. Of right. And, you know, when you're typing, yeah. if you're off by half a centimeter, I mean, it's a different letter on the keyboard. It's, so you've yeah, got to be yeah. precise. Um, and so we built this indoor location technology to do exactly that, uh, to locate your hands in 3D space. And I think just kind of approaching it from a fresh mindset, we had kind of, a, you know, the benefit of coming at it from a new angle than what the, the traditional positioning or geomatics industry had come at it from. Um, and so we built this positioning technology to solve that problem. And then it was... Yeah, because you're using indoor, because indoor versus outdoor, you don't rely on the satellites or whatever you're relying right. on. And the space is probably, you, you can you can control the distance between that where the sensors go. Wow, okay. Right. And then and then what happened was, um, we, it was a couple of years later, uh, we were at uh, a trade show, uh, Mobile World Congress, the one... And uh, we, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. This was the early days of the company and uh, we yeah. couldn't afford a booth or anything like that. But the Discovery Channel had figured out that we were going to be there and they, they thought our tech was really cool and they wanted to do a piece on us. And we said, yeah, sure. No, no, no problem. Come to our booth, um, you know, thinking we'd probably try and find a way to, to get a, a piece of the Canadian uh, government booth or something like that so we could do it there. Yeah. Uh, none of that worked out. So we ultimately ended up just in the middle of one of the big hallways, uh, kind of blocking it off. And, you know, the Discovery Channel's there with their, their big cameras and their boom mics and their whole crew and everything. Um, and, and unfortunately, our timing couldn't have been worse because it was right before the lunch hour rush. So we actually caused quite the commotion blocking this major artery in the, the conference here <laughs> as we shot the video. Yeah. Um, so, so we did the whole thing with the Discovery Channel. It was great. You know, the, the Discovery Channel guys were fantastic. Um, and, and we finished up and one, one of the guys that came out to, to see us afterwards, uh, said, uh, um, as it turns out is one of three guys that knows how to build a Volkswagen factory. And he said, guys, this solves a problem we've been trying to solve for the last 15 years. Um, we'd love for you guys to come out to Wolfsburg, the HQ there and uh, try wow. your tech on our assembly line. And so we were out there, uh, would have been three weeks later, I brought one of my engineers and uh, my business partner. And within 60 seconds, my engineer had uh, our technology up and running on their assembly line. And you look around the room and all of the executives just had their jaw on the floor because in 60 seconds, we had done what they hadn't been able to achieve in about 15 years. Um, and so that, that's when we realized there was kind of something here to this industry 4.0. And uh, what what our tech could mean to that industry? Wow, that's incredible. I mean, I spent a lot of time in Germany the last three years, but on the solar side, and and I, I tell you, you, it doesn't surprise me. And I'm just giving a general feedback, but like literally, some of their projects were just good, you know, really good scientists, but living 
almost, you know, in terms of solar, they had 250 different parts, different things, you know, trying to meet everybody's mm -hmm. needs. And, uh, and really, you know, really well-meaning scientists, but they didn't make any money on some of their projects. But wow. So that, that's where you are today. You're, you're working primarily with the, are you working with all the majors or just a couple? Or can you say that? Can you, can you reveal that or is it something? We, we can't name names, but, uh, you know, <laughs> okay. let's say more than 50% of the major OEMs where we're working with today. Okay. I'm going to name. So GM, Ford, <laughs> uh, Land Rover. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Wow. I, I, actually, and, and you know, that when Land Rover, and I'm just speaking that quickly, because they, they literally, when they sold to Tata, I knew friends that were in there, and they're like, oh, they, we're going to be dead. And, and they actually revised, they revived that company, yeah. the Land Rover name. And that was a few years back, but that would be, anyway, that's just a personal side. Um, look, I, you know, Matthew, there's some fantastic, uh, I'm really glad that we had this chat today. How can, how can people find you? I mean, I, you're kind of low key. This is it. You're kind of the stealth. You're kind of under, you, I, I sensed it's going to be easy and difficult for people to find you. Yeah. So we're, we're really just commercializing right now. And it, it's kind of ironic that, yeah. uh, you know, because we got pulled into the industrial world the way we did and have been, um, you know, sure. just chasing to, to fill that demand. We have not been yeah. very active in marketing, um, and that's changing right now. So we just went through a, a little bit of a scale up. Uh, we just ended up moving into a new office space, uh, much bigger space here in Calgary, um, and so we're sure. we're scaling quite a bit. So now we're a lot more active, uh, and will be even more active in the future. So uh, uh, anyone who wants to get in touch with us, you know, Matt at zerokey.com or, or or hit the website up at zerokey.com. You're not, I, I looked at, I guess you're on Twitter. I did find you on Twitter and that was the link. Uh, yep. the, but the link, I'm going to tell you for the for benefit, when you're on your website, the link to Twitter is zero, zero key. doesn't work. The link ah. to Twitter, but your, yours, <laughs> you got another one. I just wanted to point that out. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to call you out on that <laughs> one, but that's fine. It's, it's, you'll, you'll see I, I, your Twitter handle because I don't have it in front of me. Do you know the Twitter handle? Uh, yeah. It's, it's MF, it's one, two, MF. three is uh, the company Twitter there. Okay. And then the, uh, one last point is, is in terms of COVID, in, because we're sort of, we don't know where we're tipping point here, but it seems like there's opening up, but is, has there anything you want to share with people, with companies or people, like what you've done innovatively or uniquely that you want to share of the COVID sort of story? Well, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say we've done anything um, unique or spectacular. I think, uh, you know, Zero Key itself, we've all been working from home for, for a while now and we're, we're rather fortunate Right. that uh, a lot of our work um, can be carried out from home. Um, you know, I know we are, we've got a lot of stuff going on with, with different companies and we're trying to help folks get back to work and, and doing it in a safe manner um, right. and, and, you know, using social distancing and, and really whether using the technology or not using the technology, it's just about following those guidelines um, and, and not, you know, having lapses uh, in doing that. Um, and, and for the most part, you know, I, I think, uh, you, together I think to be honest and I'll be a little candid here I've been absolutely amazed at at how kind of the the western world has responded to this um, you know it, it's really interesting I talked to my team right at the outset uh, you know when China went on right. lockdown and, and I said you know it's it's kind of scary because if it ever does leap and this is before it had left China at least as far as we knew sure you know, I just didn't think that we'd be capable of the same 
level of, of restrictions. And then, you know, the world just banded together in the way it did. Um, you know, it was really awe-inspiring. I, I was uh, totally moved by that. Um, and, and, you know, it's working. You look at the numbers and, and it's, it's definitely working. It is, yeah. So. so just on that note, then, I mean, it's, it sounds like you got a lot on your plate anyway, and you're pretty busy with the, the, the OEM or the, the car manufacturers for, for the benefit of OEM. I like that term, but um, the, I see that hospital need. And, and can you get, can your tech be used, you know, to scale up? I guess you'd need people and resources, but does that, could this be applied in the hospital? Um, or it could well be uh, the, the trick in the hospital setting is you're fairly high density and you don't have a lot of control sure. over it. I, I think the professionals that are in that setting already are doing everything humanly possible to, to, yeah. you know, protect themselves. Um, so I, I don't know if it would have the biggest impact there, but I think in environments where you have the ability to control where people are, or those individuals have the yeah. ability to, you know, space themselves out um plus being able to do the contact tracing i think uh those two together uh would benefit but if you look at yeah. a hospital you know doing contact tracing everyone there is going to you know have had contact at some point <laughs> yeah that's true yeah um but then let's the, the last point would be universities and mm -hmm. colleges and campuses i mean because clearly and, and you know one of my guests was ian holloway at the ufc he's a, the, the dean of law and he said within three days we switched online mm -hmm. And, you know, the discussions I've had with several guests on the podcast are just, you know, rethinking real estate and that kind of instead of constructing new, there's going to be a lot of repurposing. Mm -hmm. quite frankly, it's going to have to change, yeah. not have to, but it, it will yeah. change. There's no question, you know, this is going to be a forcing function for digital transformation. It's uh, going to be changing yeah. behaviors long term. Um, you know, we're going to be looking at risks very differently after this. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where you can't really ever reset the clock um, and it doesn't matter how fast we get back down to zero. This is always going to be in the forefront of, you know, the global consciousness. Um, so I think uh, in that sense, absolutely. Uh, he was correct that, you know, you, you're going to rethink real estate. You're going to rethink how you structure classes. Businesses are going to keep more, uh, you know, communication and collaboration, digital and online and remote. Right. Um, you know, and, and of course, there will be companies that obviously can't do that and, and companies that prefer the way it was. Uh, but this will be a big push <laughs> in, in, you know, that direction. Well, you imagine, imagine the massive conventions and, and spacing the people in, in those. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, there's. Well, Matthew, really, this has been I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. Maybe the two listeners out there, they're not as excited as me, but this is fantastic. Your tech. Thank you. Um, and bringing it from from the Daily Planet show, <laughs> I just it caught my eye because I I clicked on it. I was like, "What's this Daily Planet show?" And then that was your Discovery Channel. But wow, what I mean, incredible roots. Look, stay safe and thanks for joining. Uh, Likewise, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Have a you great too. day.